This is a Stand Up New York Labs production, providing you podcasts since 2013. Raylan Casper-White here with another festive episode of X-Ray. There is hair on the mic. I was going to bring that up. And it's driving me fucking... Whose hair is it? It's blonde. It's a fucking blonde, man. Brunettes don't leave hair around. And B, I have a dirty blonde. So Mm -hmm. I... I, You know what I mean? I keep it all on my lip. This mullet's very contained. Keep the dirt. I keep the... (laughs) I keep the dirt in the blonde. I am here with a, uh, a brilliant actor who is currently on Broadway in To Kill a Mockingbird, which Aaron Sorkin adapted, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, um, I hate to say it, I haven't seen the play yet. Can you explain? This is where the ignorance comes into play. Okay. Please treat me with love mm-hmm. and respect. I love the theater. Mm-hmm. I do, and I've seen the movie. Mm-hmm. You love uh, people. I love people. <laughs> I love conflict. Um, this is one that I don't, I saw the, the movie, was it Gregory Peck? Mm-hmm. A bazillion years ago, yeah. like pre-children, like yeah. I was a, a, an infant. Yeah. Um, if so, for all the viewers and the listeners that don't know, can you just give me a, like a Cliff's Notes? How I can you just, synopsize the play? I just did this about an hour and a half ago for a friend who has a ten-year-old girl, and they're wondering okay. whether or not to bring her. And okay. I was like, well, if you can get around, well, so so the the play opens with, on a very very general level, the play is about. Uh, children waking up to and learning how unfair the adult world is. Okay. This country is. In uh, terms of racism? Your father or? is. Okay. Yes, uh, predominantly, but okay. also just kind of the failings. Right. Of, of American of, society? Of society? Yes, okay. exactly. And okay. the failings of, you know, maybe your father, who you right. see as this hero. And, yes. Uh, that. So underneath that, the play starts pretty much right away in the courtroom with the three children uh, looking back uh at this time, we don't quite know how old they are, but they're looking back when okay. they're quite young, eight and 12 and such. Uh, this little trio, uh, Scout, Jem, her brother, who's a little bit older, and Dill, who is uh, this young- Love those names. Yeah, they're, they're, and they're this wonderful little trio, and they're trying to figure out what happened you know, at this very significant moment in their lives as children. We go right to the courtroom, and a young woman, a 19-year-old, has accused a black man, or as they say at that time, a colored man of uh, raping her. Okay. And apparently the father walked in mid attempted rape and now uh, the whole town knows and that man who's been accused is Tom Robinson. He's been in jail for seven months and finally the trial is there and he's being represented by Atticus Finch, the famous Atticus okay. Finch. Okay, right. And it's it's about, um, well, the, the thing that I was trying to explain to my friend is that if a child is old enough to understand the, uh, the idea of one uh, that someone could be accused for something falsely, and that at the time in Alabama that was a capital offense, so it was the death penalty. Right. Two, that the cops might just say, we don't need to wait for that, we're going to kill him anyway, which is what happens. Mm-hmm. Three, that uh, in no particular order, but three, that like the concept of rape, uh, that this man would have tried to rape her, that she would accuse him falsely of that, and that also there's an inappropriate sexual relationship apparently going on with her father, you know, mm. where the father is abusing her sexually, which kind of 
wow. kind of starts That's a nugget. Thing. Yeah, and I was like, well, gosh, maybe maybe 10 is too young. If you're ready to unpack all that. And why, even um, if you're ready, why would you want that right I know, now? I, I mean, know. I don't know. To what end, I guess. Yeah. I, I'm all for exposing kids. I don't I think kids are too sheltered. But on the other hand, I think that they're exposed too much. Like, it's a weird dance. Yeah, and yesterday, honestly, we do this amazing thing where uh, every week or so right now, uh, during the school year, it'll kick in again in the fall. It's like almost a 1,500-seat theater that the place is packed with children. And, wow. Um, I mean... High schoolers. Middle schoolers. Middle schoolers. Like, I, we were looking at this group from Queens all in the front rows last night. I mean, it's the whole place. Wow. And uh, they were little, little kids. They were kids. I don't know. Were they quiet? No, no, no. They were no, talking and texting yeah. and playing well, Sudoku. No, no, no. They're okay. into it. They were into it. They're okay. into it in a whole way that the adult audience is not. Wow. It is phenomenal. Like the best example Was it a is, like, diverse audience in terms of race? Uh I or would mostly say like private white private children. school kids. No, that was actually Wednesday. We had a very very like white private school audience on okay. uh, Wednesday matinee, which are strange hybrid audiences sometimes of like uh, you know regular Broadway matinee right. crowd right. And, and kids. <laughs> but these Thursday, uh, it's city kids. You know we've got this deal where it's ten dollars uh, a ticket if you're a you know public school kid in the New York City system. Can I pass as a public school kid in the system? I'm sure you could. I'm youthful. Yeah, you could. Okay, that'd be nice. What's I mean Broadway's uh, fucking expensive, man. I remember when Broadway tickets went up to. Forty bucks, and I was like, "How could anyone it was, ever I took, do that?" Um, yeah. I had a, one of my. I have thirty-four kids. One of them was visiting, and I took mm-hmm. him to see uh, Aladdin. Mm-hmm. That was it cost us two hundred and fifty bucks a fucking ticket or something. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't with the ninety-dollar Ticketmaster fees or yeah. whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. insane. Yeah. And it was mediocre. Yeah. It was mediocre. Well, I mean, maybe. straight plays is, is expensive as a musical. No. Someone's got to play Jeff Daniels. Yeah, someone's got to play Jeff Daniels, and he lets us know that every night. I'm sure he does. Um, uh, I don't know. Ours gets steep. If you're in the orchestra, sure. seat, house seats are, are, you know. What, 200 bucks, Dave? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but it's amazing. Do you get compensated adequately? Uh, yeah. Or could oh, you be paid more? Uh, no, I, I really feel. Uh, you feel like you're being overpaid. Uh, I wouldn't. I, I would never say over or under. I'm, I'm incredibly happy working okay, here in the theater, which is not something I would have predicted. Okay, uh, fair enough. A few years ago, and now that I have a child, and I'm like, wow, this is a, a, an amazing, surprising year. Now, how know? does um, Jeffy compare to, to uh, Gregory? Well, uh, Jeff. I, I I know you want to say Gregory's better, but you can't. So let's just say no, stylistically, no, no. what does he bring to the role that's different? Well, the big difference is that um, Aaron Sorkin. Did he modernize it? Well, what he did was, rather than Atticus Finch being this kind of man with these principles, this incredibly good, you know, just just integrity through and through man, and that's just him, he doesn't change. Mm -hmm. The way he's in the book, seen through the eyes of his daughter, Scout, and in the movie, you know, he's just this rock of who he is. What Aaron Sorkin did was uh, see that get challenged, see some of those things get uh, thrown back at him and see a journey take place. And it's utterly, utterly uh, fascinating. Oh, that's so we, interesting. Yeah, it's amazing. So okay. he's this conflict-averse lawyer who doesn't want to fight, who believes in these ethics, believes that people are good, but then you realize that maybe, and this is my read on it, there's, the, you know, he's using those principles to keep himself from the mucky gray areas. Right. You know, in between. Yeah. And, and, and he's protecting himself emotionally. And he gets that really thrown in his face by his son, Jim. And he gets that really thrown in his face by Calpurnia, uh, the colored woman that works for them. Mm-hmm. And is kind of the surrogate mother to the kids at this point, been there for their whole lives. And so he comes to learn that actually, no, 
uh, maybe not everybody is quote unquote good. Maybe I do need to get in and fight fire with fire all the way the, until the very last second of the play. He finally learns that's what he's got to do. And so does Jeff, the kid get exonerated? The kid does not get. You mean Tom Robinson? Yeah. No, he gets convicted and he gets he gets killed. By so the Atticus did a shitty job. Atticus is the first. He's not two, a great lawyer. He's no, not super lawyers rated ranked no, number one hundred in New York City. Yeah, Atticus Finch doesn't want to try a criminal case. He wants to just kind of do his little legal stuff that he does. The it's only, like Robert Mueller. Yeah, the, the only well, the only the only criminal case he had done before was these two brothers that murdered a guy over a horse, and they were both hung. And then okay, this guy's track record. Yeah, his track for Tom record. Robbins. I mean, he should have gotten a better attorney. Yeah, yeah, he I know. He wasn't Jewish. That's it's a, the fact. It, it's it's a weird thing where because there's another attorney who's there who's going to kind of like do the right thing by the kind of like white uh, predominantly right, uh, kind right. of yeah you know i was gonna say clannish but i mean yeah clan, yeah, yeah. Clan. prosecution gonna, yeah and so the judge moves you know suggests atticus should do do the case and he does it reluctantly um and it's a real tragedy because he gets to keep his kids at the end and and tom robinson's family loses that's him. really tragic it's 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 awful For me, but I, wait, let good. me just yeah, um, yeah, so about jeff jeff is Literally, I call him not to his face, um, like a stealth chameleon. Okay. Because if I look back at Jeff's career, which I've been amazed, uh, very, very aware of, like from you almost know, stalkery. Well, well, no, just he's just been in he's been like around. major, yeah. major stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. I remember like the ads in the comedies. Times. He's done yeah. like all this, like kind of you know. And in each case, in each case, uh, you're like, oh, that's who that guy is. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's something no, about yeah. Jeff, the yeah. way he fills up with the role. You're like, yes. oh, oh, well, that's who he is. And the same is going now for Atticus Finch. So he doesn't hang a shingle, to use that term again, like, like of like, I'm this transformative guy, but he's like a stealth chameleon. He Maybe it comes more naturally, like his immersion. You yeah. know what I mean? It doesn't, it's not as effortful as other actors when they go in and have to like, you know. Well, he doesn't do a huge thing differently physically right, or something, right, you know. Right. I, I don't know, because he's a total workaholic. But uh, but man, is, you would never think that he's not Atticus Finch. Oh, I like it, that. He's, he's extraordinary. For me, I'm thinking about that maybe the more interesting journey for me would have been, um, and I'm not criticizing the who wrote the original play? <laughs> There's no original play. It's original screen. So it was a screenplay that was adapted to theater. It was a screenplay adapted by Horton Foote. Okay. Uh, which apparently uh, Harper Lee really loved. Uh, but it was a book. Right, right, right. Came out in 1960, right. Pulitzer, movies soon thereafter, Horton Foote doing the adaptation. They changed some things for that, obviously. Okay. And then there was a play, I forget when that came out. I'm not sure the name of the author, actually, uh, that kind of has been around for a while. Got it. And then uh, And then Aaron did the walk yeah. and talk. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting if, if Atticus maybe had uh, taken the case on without the, believing that the rape did occur. And then slowly as the trial, you know what I mean? Just being an attorney that has to represent the defense just because that's what your job is part of the American justice system. And then slowly became to realize that he was wrong and this kid should be exonerated. But by that point, it's too late because he did a shitty job because his heart wasn't in it. Yeah. And then the kid gets, you know, killed. Well, that's a good story, too. You, I think maybe there, I need to rewrite. I got to call Aaron and be like, Sorky. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe you just, you know, to to revive a mockingbird will be your next project. To revive, project. yeah. To you kill know, a blue jay. Yeah, seriously. You, okay. Yeah. Uh, that said, um, he does take it on kind of, like, he thinks it's a slam dunk case. He's like, oh, there's no way. Because the guy, Tom, has a very, very injured arm. There's no way, given the injuries to the uh, uh, victim right. uh, of bruising That he could have done that. There's no way he could have done it. So he thinks it's going to be, the, all these people are going to see not even through like they're better angels. It's just going to be so apparent that they can't possibly send this guy to his death. Mm. It would just be such an affront to truth. And he learns that that is so not the world he's living in. Okay. It's sad. 
It's extremely sad. And, who, and, and you play who? I play Link Dees, who is uh, uh, an amalgam of two characters in the book, both of which, uh, both of whom uh, uh, employed Tom Robinson. Oh. And what Sorkin has done is combine them into one guy. So there's this like longevity of relationship. So in the book, Dolphus Raymond is the man who uh, runs the cotton farm and the gin where Tom as a child got injured mm. and then changed some things around to, uh, um, you know, keep things a little safer. And then... Uh, uh, but he has a tragedy in his life, and he's the guy who like rides around on a horse in like English riding boots and drinks, uh, you know, a bottle of booze inside of a paper bag, and then you learn that maybe it's not booze in the bag, and he, he has this little conversation with Dill outside the courthouse. Whereas so where would it be? Uh, I'm not going to tell you. You can oh, see it. Man, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, buy me a uh, ticket. Uh, it ain't moonshine. <laughs> um, and uh, and then Link Dees is a town guy who employs Tom now and is very like defender kind of guy. Uh, he's in. They court. both love him. Yeah, they both love him, and so he's now there's like a and and he also employs Helen Robinson in the book Link Dees and uh, Bob Yule after Tom Robinson is gone is sexually harassing. His 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 wife, the widow now of Tom Robinson, oh, and Lady goes after him. Uh, so Aaron combined the two, and it's, oh wow, uh, it is uh, just one of the most beautiful roles I've ever. Oh my a god, to that's do. amazing! It's a gorgeous. Part. How much play is there after Tom Robinson gets uh, executed? Um, Another act? No, no, that six is, minutes. Um, no, I would say about a half hour. Oh wow, that's yeah. a lot. Yeah, does it feel anticlimactic, or no. is it like very healing and kind of wraps everything up? Well, uh, I would say it, it goes a lot of places because it's really about Atticus. Atticus thinks all the way that he's going to win, and he, I, maybe he takes for granted that he's going to win, mm. and, he, and, he, and, he, and he really, really uh, learns that in, in an extremely harsh but super, super lucky way. Because at the very end, you know, like I say. He gets his family back. Right, you know? right, right, right. The white man gets... <laughs> the white man gets it's, his. Yeah, he gets <laughs> his surprise, family back. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and the thing that Sorkin has brought to it, it as well is, is Sorkin, calling him Sorkin. Um, Aaron. Yeah, he, he's Aaron has brought just such incredible humor to the piece, believe He's very not. talented. Yeah, it's wild. And he's staying talented even though he's sober. Which is surprising, or we don't know if he's sober. Well, I, I who knows? I don't know, but I do think that there's a lot of really interesting stories in our business of people that do kind of suddenly kick into another gear when they get sober. I remember yeah. Dennis Hopper. Okay. Remember, when all yeah. of a sudden he was no. doing Hoosiers and no. Blue Velvet, and all of a sudden it was like, oh my God, all that energy was suddenly channeled in a different way, and he was just always. He brilliant. did that when he was sober. Yeah, he oh, got sober right before that point, and then oh. Anthony Hopkins, like right. You I don't know, know if he was an alcoholic, Anthony. Uh, yeah, yeah. And like... I guess I should assume that every man from the UK that was in the theater was an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Right? I At mean, it seems point. like a given. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And then that, Hopkins suddenly was doing like those, those like Howard's End and Remains, like, Remains of the, of the Day. Day. Yeah, like, okay. you know, so... Uh, he yeah. looks sober in those movies, though. Extremely, you know what I mean? He's not playing like Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, he's just kind of looking straight ahead. <laughs> but and, sober Hannibal Lecter. That's, that's, that's true, know, too. You know. Yeah. That's you wouldn't be playing a punk rocker. I wonder if it's challenging if you're sober, if you've been a, you had a big party. For, not you, I'm saying in general. Mm-hmm. If you're a partier and then you're like an actor, and then suddenly you get sober and you play like the remains of the day or some Jane Austen compendium, and then you end up playing like a punk rock. You know, you end up playing some guy who ended up dying of an overdose. Do you take that part on, or is it too close to home because it might send you down a spiral? I don't know. I'm wondering. I don't <clears throat> with, know. With Nail and I, are you a fan of With Nail and I? Of who? With Nail and I. I don't know that. Oh, it's like the ultimate actor movie. Uh, oh. 80, again, I'm referencing movies in the late 80s. That's fine. You're old. Um, 
ish. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Richard E. Grant in this. Oh, like, I love him. Career. He just did that one with the yeah. what's her name? Yeah, wasn't he amazing? And that yeah. movie was amazing. Okay. Uh, can you ever forget? He me? looks like he was a boozer. Not at all. But huh. he plays the best drunk I've ever seen on screen at the okay. age of twenty-eight, and he did not drink and still hasn't because he was allergic to alcohol. Oh wow! So Bruce Robinson got him really hammered one night, and he threw up and everything. But he was able to kind of. He thinks it was more for Bruce, but uh, he plays this genius drunk, and the guy's been. I love that. He drink. was kind of drink drunky in that movie with <laughs> Melissa McCarthy. He was. I like, think th- there was an odd kind of. Uh, he's uh, like homage a Gumby. to his old. Yeah. His old kid to Withnail. You got to see Withnail and I. It's okay. Withnail and I. It's the best movie about actors. Okay. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. He's, he's, so he has that kind of demeanor. Loosh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to explain. Looks kind of like a a Twizzler. Yeah. He looks like a Twizzler. Exactly. And so he has that like you might be drunk, you might not. We don't know. Exactly. I like yeah. that. That's a fun way to be. Yeah. Exactly. You know, like I is know. that person intoxicated? I, I can't tell. How involved was uh, Sorky in rehearsal? Very, very. Was yeah. he sitting there and like micromanaging? Uh, he directed it. No, no, no. No. He Bar- didn't. Bart Shear directed it. Bart Shear. Yeah. Okay. He, you know. My Fair Lady and uh, Light in the Piazza. So a lot of musicals. Uh, and, and Straight Plays Overwhelming. Okay, okay. Uh, it's just done in London. Um, <clears throat> phenomenal director and phenomenal writer. And then Scott uh, Rudin, also very involved. The three of them, uh, we started workshopping this thing like two Octobers ago. Oh, wow. And, and, uh, Did they make an offer to you? Did you have to audition? Well, I just got a call for this, for the reading, for a two-day reading for some other roles in the piece and then was asked back to do another workshop and then was asked to do a three-week workshop. Uh, and I, it was my last three weeks before I went to rehearsal for The Iceman Cometh Mm. uh, last year with Denzel and directed by George C. Wolfe and Scott again producing. Amazing experience. But I had three weeks to go before I went into rehearsal all day and that would be the first time I wasn't around my son a lot during the mm. day, so I really wanted that time right. really badly to be at home. Right. And then uh, they asked me back to play Link D's at a different lab uh, later that spring, so they asked me back to do that lab, and then out of that one, I was asked to play the part. Uh, that's when the role shifted, um, but I, I needed that time at home. I get um, it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I try and get away from my kids as much as possible. You have one. Right. That, but that's going to happen. You're still in the magic honeymoon phase. Once they hit like, well, how old's your kid? Um, he's three. Three, yeah, yeah okay. So he was two then. That. Yeah, enjoy that for a couple more years. Then you're going to be like, get me regional theater in fucking <laughs> Winnetka. Right. I, I know, I hear that. And it's like, as being like an older dad, you know, like, I, I'm I'm old. I just know it's coming in like two seconds. Like, <laughs> I'm not calling him back. When you start feeling like grandpa, like the kid wants you to pick him up all the time, like, I am old and tired. No, I don't mind that. I don't okay. mind being completely depleted and bled out. Okay. Every photo of me and him looks like you're both life, tired. Life on the upswing, life. On the downswing. <laughs> like, I look bled out. Some guys get dad bod, and they, I don't know. You just lose weight and become like. Yeah, I look like, a, like a, a, a vampire victim. That's funny. And, um, you know, and it's like noon. Um, <laughs> and I'm out, like, in the ball field. Literally, it just, I look effed up. That said, I, I just know, like, in, like, a decade, which is going to be in two seconds, he's going to not be returning phone calls. Yeah, of so course, exactly. Like, I, that's coming soon enough. That's I, all. I, Enjoy yeah. while you can. Yeah. So, but was um, was there any uh, drama in rehearsal process? Did anybody have tantrums and storm off or lose their shit or yell at the director and the director yell back? Or No, I mean, we workshopped this thing so meticulously over so much time. It was, okay. like, October and then again in the fall, and then they did that three-week one in January and then another three-week one in May. Oh, wow. You know, it was really When you say workshop, course, was it for an audience? Uh, it would be like an audience of like people from Lincoln Center and maybe okay. some like, you know, okay. uh, but, but it, just kind of refining and, 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 and then that, and then that was all before we started rehearsals and had a preview period, which is an extremely active experience on a mm. Scott Rudin gig. Okay. You know, they'll change stuff all the way.
way up to the last day. And this was started at Lincoln Center Theater? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And it transferred. Yeah. Okay. So nobody was freaking out because everything was just kind of, they'd make little changes. and That's a very and nice li- organic process. Extremely. And yeah. I, and one of the neat kind of uh, byproducts of playing Link D's is that I'm this real outlier. The cotton farms are like 14 miles out of the center of town. And so I'm not like one of the townspeople. So I was not called for, you know, like, <laughs> I was probably called like 45% of the time. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's the best it, of both worlds. It was, it was, it was nice. And it also kind of added to like his relationship to the world of everything because he's definitely, like I say, an outlier. Um, and are they going to make another movie? Another movie? Reboot? No, I think Aaron's real inspiration was like there's some things that, you know, film can do only and theater can do only and, and fiction can do only. And he really feels incredibly strongly about this being, um, you know, uh, the the moment for this thing, right? There's, there is the movie and now this is this, this okay. you know, the Okay. And Broadway it's doing production. well, obviously. It's the most successful play up to this point in Broadway history. No, really? Yeah. Holy fuck. How long yeah. has it been running? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, up to this point, yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah, is the yeah. stat. No, no, it's It's fun. been running since November 2nd. I That's think amazing. I know. Wow. I know. It's, it, is, it is nuts. And, and the relationship with the audience is unlike anything I've been a part of. Last year doing that play with Denzel, we had the most eager positive audiences from performance once to, okay. to the last Well, they're coming to see Dems. Yeah, and the whole thing, like all this other stuff was so wonderful in the production. Everybody really, you know, a lot of people really, really loved it. Right. But this is like an equally positive audience experience and a lot of, you know, predominantly, yeah. overwhelmingly positive what we're feeling. And I just feel like the book is like the Beatles of books or something. Oh, interesting. You know, people have this thing where this, it's like we're really, sh- it sounds... Hakuna Matata, but like we're sharing this thing with right. them. It's not like we're performing it for oh, or to them. Oh, I love them, that. You know, was there a um, higher percentage of black theater goers for to see Denzel? Hundred percent, yeah. And not so much with this. Is this it play too like challenging? For like, not you know what I mean? Is, it, is this play too painful? Uh, you know, or just kind of like you know what? Fuck this story. We don't need this storyline. Like, I don't know. That's a very, very interesting question. Certainly, the student matinees. Uh, I mean, the word isn't even diverse. It is a, a brown and black audience. Do you know what okay. I mean? Yeah, okay. Yeah. It okay. Is, and that is. Um, really a mind-blowing experience like the okay. very first one we did where it was these t- you know we have this thing for the the $10 ticket for the, right, for the right, city kids right. um uh there's a line that tom has to atticus where he says mr finch if you was a nigger like me you'd be scared too about why he ran away from this kind of event when like the racist father comes in mm-hmm. and sees the two of them like holding each other or whatever uh, or him trying to get away from her and uh the place went berserk like wow. screaming applause you know, that's it, really emotional, it, it, isn't it? Oh it's my like, god! That's really, mo- yeah. It was unbelievable. It's so, tragic that it has a setting, <clears throat> and it's it's sad that it's so relevant, and it's sad. You know yeah. what I mean? It's so now salient, yeah. and even it's been salient for a while. But I guess now it's more than you know, and it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's really tragic. And, and I don't know with theater. Sometimes I go to escape and mm-hmm. see like Aladdin, which mm-hmm. is kind of ridiculous. And then sometimes you want to go in. That something that you said, like, it kind of brings to 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 light things mm-hmm. that have been around forever. But you know, that, yeah. But sometimes you just need a break, too. Do you feel that, too? That sometimes like, I just want to do a stupid comedy. Well, I, like I said, this is like also one of the funniest plays I've been a part mm, of. Okay. It's incredibly funny because Aaron's able to release tension that way. Yeah. In a way that doesn't feel jokey or... He's so talented. It's totally he? organic to every every uh, aspect of the spectrum of emotion in the play. And it is like an incredibly funny show. Interesting. Yeah, and it's not like people trying to be witty or something like that. It's no, like, it's just the way it's written. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, he's been the master of dialogue, and I think that's why. What, what, what did someone tell me once that 
TV is the uh, writer's medium, mm-hmm. film is the director's medium, and theater and th- stage is the actor's medium. I like that. Which I think makes sense, because in film, really, the director kind of sculpts mm-hmm. everything, the look, the feel, what you're focusing on, how long you're focusing mm-hmm. on something. And in TV, it's all about the writing. No one's looking yeah. at the angles. I mean, maybe now day Game of Thrones, people change. TV's changed. Mm-hmm. It's not just a yeah. ravioli-sized screen or in your zenith. Right. But theater, the, the directing is, is is maybe pacing and maybe some blocking or maybe if you're doing something avant-garde. But for straight plays, it's the actors that are really kind of presenting. Yeah, that's, right? you're right. That's your kind of... Um, I choose what I'm looking at. That's your... Yeah, that's right. You, you know what I mean? You no choose one's the point of view. doing a kind of Zoom right. punch in, you know. Yep. But I don't know. But I guess Aaron Sorkin, his writing is so... You're right. But I mean, I, that to disprove that or kind of mellow that out, that, that Aaron's writing is so salient. You can hear an Aaron Sorkin... Well, you say here, like the thing that got him uh, hooked on writing, I think, was... You know how you always hear about kids that go to the theater listening to original cast albums and mm, then they realize they yeah. want to be actors and stuff? That happened to him. It's just that the original cast album uh, was... Uh, Waiting for Godot. <laughs> no, it was Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. <laughs> and he listened to it constantly. He was a dark kid. soul back in the day then. Yeah, up there in Scarsdale. And so he was just listening to that over and over like it, it was a double album. Oh, that's and, funny. And so you can really experience his plays just with the ear. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. I heard that there's a... There's a TV director, Jimmy Burroughs. Do you know mm-hmm, him? Sure, yeah. So he doesn't watch the rehearsals. He just listens to He was them. in The Comeback. Was he? I'm kidding. No, yeah, but exactly. he was. One of the best shows ever, The Comeback I Love. With Lisa Kudrow? Oh, don't you remember? I remember that, yes. But I remember oh. he he ends up listening to a rehearsal. He doesn't watch it. Oh, oh, okay. For sitcoms. Yeah, Like Because yeah. it is about a rhythm. It's not about yep. the visuals. That's why comedy doesn't have to look that fucking good to be funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. As opposed to an art film, if it doesn't look good, why bother? Right, right. I just saw a movie that literally there was barely any dialogue, and it it was two people hiking, and it was called The Loneliest Planet, and it was really kind of interesting. It was a female director. I forgot her name, unfortunately, but it's literally them hiking through, I don't know what it was, Colombia or Chile or Venezuela, mm. or it could have been, I don't know, barely any dollar, but you, it's a what's it, atmosphere film, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, where you're mm-hmm. kind of taken through. You could never pull that off with, I guess you could with stage, but not really. You need the visuals, the lush visuals to kind of keep you engaged, and a slice of life, right? You're feeling like with as a voyeur, you can get away with slice of life stuff in film, and in theater, because right, you're tricky. actually in that environment. Yeah. Exactly, you're in yeah. it, and you're like, oh, I can feel what it's like. You know what I mean? Yeah. With theater, after a while, you're like, okay, and you can hear the person next to you, maybe exactly snoring or the hearing aid. Yep. the yep. hearing aid. I always sit next to somebody with a fucking dysfunctional hearing aid. Now it's just become. I remember when it was like a crazy disruption, phones and all that stuff, and it is a and you distraction. You get a lot of phone rings during the show? You get everything, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, there was a period, I, I was in The Lion in Winter on Broadway at the very end of the 90s, and uh, Lawrence Fishburne and Emily Burgo, this amazing scene, and a phone went off right by us, floor mic in the front row. And this oh was like the God. 90s where the stuff was very, yes. very new. And it was this most silent moment in Lion in Winter in the whole play. and. Lawrence just stopped and like turned to the guy and said, or whoever it was, and said, you want to turn the effing phone off, please? <laughs> and the place went berserk and it was wonderful. Cut to like when Jeff Daniels was doing God of Carnage, the Yasmina Reza play yes, with um, I saw that. James Gandolfini. Yes. There apparently were two guys going around Broadway at the time. And apparently, I think they'd got Patti LuPone and Jeff had warned James because they okay. wanted to find these kind of tempestuous actors to snap. And so one guy would play the William Tell Overture no. in, the, in the orchestra and the other guy would be up in one of the balconies or something <laughs> videotaping and then sell it. Yeah, yeah. And so Jeff did it work? Said, uh, they did. I don't know if they made it to that show, but Jeff knew about it that they were moving around Broadway. Oh they got a few people, 
And uh, so you just have to kind of like know. What do you think is the right thing to do? I don't think you should snap. I think you just got to keep going. That's exactly right. Yeah. I don't think you stop. You Because if you ruin it for everybody, I get that it's distracting, but it will stop at some point. Yeah. And the minute the actor breaks the character. And hopefully they're mortified and they're moving quickly to turn it off. If the actor breaks character, you're not doing your job. Yeah. You got to. You're in that world. You can't hear the phone. We can. But don't ruin it for. I think that's very unprofessional. I'm sorry. I think it's indulgent. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't fucking like it. No. no don't. Was Chuma in that play? Chuma Hunter Gold? Yeah, he sure was. Yeah, we slept together back in the oh, uh, wow. early aughts. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful lover. <laughs> Wonderful lover. His mom was a, a, a Charlene, a yeah. CNN yeah, correspondent. Yeah, yeah, that's right. What happened to him? Is he still acting? I don't know. I've seen... I've seen he, he, when's the last time I saw Chuma? Good looking guy, too. Gorgeous Great guy. lover. Great lover. Right, Chuma. Long ago. Long wow. ago. I think he's probably married now. He's got a couple offspring or something. Does he? I don't know. I'm wow. not in touch with him. I have no idea. That's great to hear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's true. I remember he said line in winter. I remember. I remember. I slept with a guy from that show. Yeah, I get around. Yep, I get right. around. It I come to me. New York. It wasn't Roger Howarth. It wasn't Keith Nobbs. <laughs> it wasn't Lawrence Fishburne. It wasn't Lawrence Fishburne. It wasn't Isn't Stockard he married Channing. to? Uh, who's he married to? Lawrence, beautiful actress who was on Suits. I don't no. know if they're married right now. I don't know. Oh, if they, they are may be. Still. Sep- I don't okay. know. I don't know. Very diplomatic way of saying. That I'm not sure. One hundred percent. But uh, I don't. I mean, I don't know her. I don't know him. So. Oh God, he is. He is love incarnate. I love that man. Powerhouse yeah. of a man. Oh man, I like him. And he's like. Really young, which is the is b- most bizarre thing what about him. he's really young? Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne? Is, is he like in his 60s? No. He's, no. he's maybe, maybe 58. He might be 56. Okay, okay. Well, what yeah. do you think he was, 90? What do you mean really, really young? Well, it makes just like, like he was in his 40s. I don't know. Like in the late 90s, he played my father. Like, oh, he, just, like he has this thing. Yeah, he's one of those guys that looked 40 when he was 20. Exactly. He's that in guy. In Apocalypse Now, they li- he lied about his age. <laughs> he was <laughs> 14. He? No. He wasn't 17. He was 14. <laughs> you can Nobody checks your fucking past ID Back for then, that? Back then, yeah. He said Paperwork? Like he, his high school was like that crew of people in the Philippines. That was his high school. Oh, my God. Those that's, guys. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. You did a lot That'll of movies with uh, Wes Anderson, right? I've done two and one commercial. Did West West directs commercials too? Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. Really and funny. And you did Hyundai the um, you didn't do Rushmore. No, you did the one with the the hotel. Uh, Grand Budapest Hotel yes. and uh, Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah. Amazing, two yeah. very fun yeah. movies, and yeah. you had nice parts in those. Yeah, yeah, those were complete peak experiences. And no with, with there, um, so you worked with a lot of famous famous people. Yeah, yes. I can tell you that because one of the amazing, amazing things Wes does just purely logistically is that you go to work. Um, I think everybody makes scale. Oh, it's like favored nations kind I of thing? I think so. Wow. I think so. Okay. And um, you, you, there's a holding area. You get dressed wardrobe and makeup at where, you, where you're staying, basically like at the hotel or the house. Pretty much everybody basically lives in as close to the same house as possible. Okay. Wardrobe and stuff is done like in the lobby. So you go to work and you're just in holding, like your first right. independent movie ever. It's just that holding on location in this house in Rhode Island was like this big kind of sunroom. And like, I'm sitting there with like Francis McDormand and wow. Edward Norton and Harvey Keitel and Bruce Willis and Tilda Swinton, <laughs> just feeling like, I never had, because I was in like private school and after seventh and eighth grade, I was in Catholic school, boys school, and then like same Jesuit high school right. prep. And the, so I never had that social pressure crazy thing. Yeah. But I think this is what like people, when people talk about eighth grade. Oh being my like God. A Were you intimidated? Totally. Yeah. And Francis McDormand was this angel. She's like, hey, come, come on, play Scrabble. Oh. I'm, no, no, sorry. I'm, 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 I'm on my, I got to read this thing on my phone. My phone was probably like off. Right. You know, right. Very. Well, yeah. I find when I meet celebrities, a, I know they have no interest in who I am, mm-hmm. like none, like they could care less. Mm-hmm. And then I try and be 
in more like I'm not myself. I try and either be interesting or take interest in them that I don't care. And then I'll ask questions just to make conversation. Yeah. And I've seen that with other people too. I, I, I remember running into uh, running in as if I know her. Um, Naomi Watts, mm-hmm. who's a small woman, smallish mm-hmm. woman, not a tall, towering Nicole Kidman. Just so mm-hmm. you know that, mm-hmm. very Thank slight, you. very slight, very pretty, very slight. Good looking out. Thank um, you. And uh, this other woman was there, and she approached Naomi and said, "Oh, you know, we have the same dentist." And I guess they do, but who the fuck cares? Right. And this was just trying to make some sort of conversation. And Naomi smiles politely. What is she gonna fucking right. say? But you are celebrities. Ninety nine percent of the time are going to be narcissists. They really have no interest yeah. in anybody. You know, maybe their kids, but probably not. Yeah. Um. And so I find the interaction exhausting. Yeah, I, I fucking agree. Fucking exhausting. And then they don't really want to. Dis- Most of them don't want to small talk in between takes, right? No. With their co-star, even if they're no. playing lovers, they just want to go to their fucking trailer. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's different in theater. I don't know. No, no. I mean, it might be a little, but but I know what you mean. Like when you're dealing with celebrity of the level of some of the folks yes. that I've the fortune to work with the last few years, yeah. it's like these are folks who have been, you know, uh, asked for things for decades. Yes, and they also you know get I mean? everything they want. And they've they been have, said they yes to a lot of them. Yeah, for minions. for decades. Yes. So I, I don't know how a, a, a sentient you know, humanoid could not be affected by that yeah. at some level. So I don't know. But but that said, uh, the, the environment on a West set is everybody's just got their sleeves rolled up and is thrown down in the exact same way. And it is That's amazing. it is the most extraordinary environment. I it love is, that. It is, an is he doing anything else now? Yeah. Um, I forget the name. I think it's called the Paris letter, the French letter okay, or something okay. like that. Yeah, I think they're editing it now. He did that animated one too, right? With the dogs? Yep, Isle of Dogs. Yeah. I didn't get through that one, I gotta be honest with you. Oh, I loved it. I mean, I gotta, just, I gotta be in the right zone. I gotta be in the right zone for you it. You probably have to need to be in a theater too, right? Yeah, probably. Well, I don't know about theater, but I just, I don't know, maybe stoned? I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. not a big smoker, so maybe that's not gonna work for maybe me. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe it's just the problem. Yeah. But, um, no, but he's like, he does these things about, like, I mean, you know, Grand Budapest Hotel was about fascism and dessert yeah yeah you know? i know that was ray fines right oh man yeah i love him yeah he's great yeah he's unbelievable he's yeah he's a he's he's not who was the one i always get him confused with daniel day lewis who who ends up like getting so much in character doesn't talk to anybody for nine months or something mm-hmm. I, I had a uh, i have a friend who directed a lot of the game of thrones episodes mm-hmm. and he said that he, what he loves about the um a lot of the English actors that come in because they're all theater actors, it's yeah. the same thing with rolling up the sleeves, yeah. where even if you're like the lead person, you're used to doing theater where everybody's kind of equal. No one's running around to get you shit no. every minute. And they're like, they're all part of it. They talk to all the crew. Mm-hmm. There is no, I am God, mm-hmm. I'm a deity coming in to bless you with my presence. And I can tell you why. Um, because this is this is my theory on... Yes, please. They're all in the same city. The, the locus is all London, where okay. it's all about all three industries, it's theater, TV, and film. Right. So it's not like here where it was like, oh wait, you're a TV actor, so you're 3,000 miles away in LA. Yeah. And you're a theater actor, or maybe a New York film actor that's here. Those were like, somehow they got all separated. And Hollywood being such a grand, amazing thing in our country uh, really is different. And it's a smaller industry there. So, and when you're working in the theater, as I have a little bit in, in London, it is literally like, when you do a quick change here, there's like two people helping, helping you. Helping you, yeah. And there it's just like, you know, your costume's right over there. Right, you change, right. You come back on. And I was like, well, right, but don't I, I have it? <laughs> like, no, you put it on there. You just leave the stuff in the bucket. And and, and it's... Nobody it's gives just a shit. A, it's just a job, yeah. yeah. And then also they have their royalty. 
Yeah, that's, they that's have interesting. Royalty. They have classes. It's, it's very classes society, but actors are, it, it, but acting is also a respected profession there. It is. That's here it's not thing. as it's respected. Of, it's a part of uh, the culture, and here yes. it's more about the myth of royalty, I Yes, think, that's interesting. Which gets things kind of weird. The celebrity, but if you're saying you're, you're an actor, people roll their eyes, but in England, if you say you're an actor, they're like, oh, wow, where'd you go to school? Right. And they, there's a respect there as a, as a craft. Yeah. You know what and I mean? if you're an actor who people don't know, there's a real confusion, you know, when you meet another adult, you know, say in London say, or here, here. Oh yeah, like, around your kids, like oh, kind of like if I don't know who you are, why are you doing that? Right, yeah. you're not famous. <laughs> yeah, what I remember, the hell are you that's doing? That's funny. That's funny. Um, I know you have to go pick up your your offspring, mm -hmm. so I'm going to let you go. Um, but how long is To Kill a Mockingbird running? I don't know. There's no that's definite great. date. I mean, oh, so it's open ended. It's open ended. Okay, so yeah. everyone. Everybody go. that's in it now is in it till. Uh, there's one guy's going to leave very soon. Um, but, but Jeff's still in it. Oh yeah, we're, everybody's okay. in it till at least the beginning of November. Who plays uh, Robinson? Uh, Benga Akinabe. Okay. Uh, who played Chris on The Wire? He's done a lot of really cool. Yeah, things. of course. Amazing. He's amazing. Amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. So um, more like you, Holmes, like you, he's, yes. he's a polymath. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Poly I like that polymath. I yeah. like when you use big. Fancy words with me. Yeah. Mortgage your homes to save up for a ticket or pretend you're a public school child yep. and get your $10 tickets and see To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, just go, I guess, on, just go online and fucking find it. I'm not going to walk you through it. Or come to the box office. Sometimes there's a last minute thing. That oh, that's a good idea, amazing. too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Neil Huff, I, I love you and I love your hat. Thank you. And you are delightful. And I'm sorry we could talk more, but you have a child to tend to, and I'm not going to get in the way of that. Get in the way of me and my kid. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And um, I'm going to get that hearing aid and come to see the show. Oh, please do. Please do. This is Raylan Casper-Wide signing off. Mm -hmm.